Good morning, Gateway family. I, I want to say thank you um, again to our team for leading us into the presence of God every week. They do an amazing job. Uh, can we just again say thank you to them for all that they do to, to lead us in worship? I am so grateful for them. Uh, if you guys have not had a chance to meet Rob Wilson, you may have noticed he's been with us the last couple of weeks. Rob is filling in to give us some direction, probably be on stage about once a month or so moving forward as we continue our search for worship pastor, but in those off weeks is providing support from behind the scenes and Sharissa doing a great job leading that team. So I'm just grateful for all of them and if you hadn't had a chance to say hello to Rob, he's a great guy, you'd love to meet him. Um, this morning we're going to continue our series in the book of Revelation. You know, there's just something about us that I think is in our nature as human beings that wants to know the future right? I remember as a kid, this, I have this really awkward memory. In elementary school, I'm thinking first, second grade, somewhere in there. Uh, maybe I was older than that, but just want to make myself feel better by thinking I was younger. I'm not sure what it was. But I remember having a school carnival. You know, those elementary schools would do these big carnivals, booths, games, all kinds of stuff to do. And one of the booths at the school carnival was a fortune-telling booth. And I'm a young kid, and I go into this fortune-telling booth, and the lady was dressed up exactly like you would expect a lady to be dressed up at a fortune-telling booth. And, you know, and she, I think, probably had me hold up my hand and let me see your palm and all this stuff and told me things that were 100% true about me and then these predictions about the future, right? And as a little kid, it's like, mine was just blown. It's like, this, this is incredible. I cannot believe that this lady knows the future. Now, I was too young to figure out it was actually a mom that was dressed up that knew me and had things, you know, and that's what was going on there. But, but I just left that thinking, wow, isn't that amazing? And there are still people to this day that are fascinated by those that claim to be able to foretell the future. And in fact, in many cases, spend thousands and thousands of dollars seeking advice from those who can supposedly tell the future. Now, we won't get into that and talk about the fact that that's a big hoax, um, but I think what we can relate to is that desire to know what's coming, right? How many times can you think of in your life where you've wanted to make a decision and you thought, man, if I only knew in the future, is something going to happen this direction? Is it going to go that direction? If we just had a little more information, you ever been there? It's like, it would be so nice to know what's coming in order to, to make better decisions now. In the book of Revelation, we get a lot of what's coming. In fact, it is God revealing to us, making known what is coming. And today we're in chapter 4, and uh, next week is really when it will begin to turn and truly start to get more into the specifics of here's what to expect in the days that are to come. But today in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, we get just a, a, a beautiful picture of what heaven is like. And that's our, our kind of the, the, the shifting point to begin to say, okay, now we're starting to move toward what is coming. Now, before we read this scripture together, let me just also say a quick little uh, something. Those of you that are, that are new to Gateway, maybe it's the first time with us or you've been here just a few weeks, it might feel like an intimidating time to come, right? We're studying the book of Revelation. What a time to be, to be new to the church. I, I would actually argue this is a really good time to come because most of us are probably somewhat fascinated by this book and also a little bit scared by it, right? Is that a fair statement? Like, we're, we're not real sure what to do with it and how to go in. So really, I think it's a great time to be here as we dive in together. Let's start with chapter 4. 
today, Revelation 4, starting in verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, I, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings, peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their thrones before, their, excuse me, they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So this passage begins with an open door in heaven. Do you notice that? And John is invited to see something that few human beings are ever privileged to see. We know that from Paul's writings, we were in this passage just several weeks ago, where he talked about a vision that God had given him of heaven. God gives a similar vision to John, but also for our benefit. This vision is not just for John. It's to pass on to the seven churches and ultimately to us, to every believer uh, of, of what is about to take place and what heaven is like. And it says that there's a voice of a trumpet. If you go back to chapter 1, we see this in verse 11. There was the voice of the trumpet. Go back and, and read that, and you'll see that voice is the voice of Jesus. That's the voice of the trumpet that was speaking in chapter 1. The same voice speaks. So Jesus himself is inviting John and saying, I want you to come. There's an open door in heaven, and I want to reveal some things to you. Now, you may have noticed that we have been moving and will again today move at a very rapid pace because we're trying to, to, to move through some of these earlier stages so that we can slow down a little bit the further we get into the book of Revelation because there's so much there that, that we need to dive into. And, of course, we won't be able to get everything in detail. But that's why we're, we're moving pretty quickly for now to get to that point. But chapters 4 and 5 help us get an accurate view of who God is. And what heaven is like. Now keep in mind that Jesus had just dictated letters to the seven churches. That's what we talked about last Sunday. And the seven churches all had different kinds of issues that they were dealing with. One of them said that, that you were in the place where Satan dwells. Uh, one of them uh, talked about how some in your, in your church are going to be put to death. You know, stay faithful even to death. Others were dealing with issues like allowing immorality to come into the church or allowing their love to grow cold, false teaching, all these kinds of things. So all the churches are dealing with some real issues here. And 
coming right off those letters, what Jesus says is, but let me show you the throne room. And I think that's significant. Because as the churches are about to enter into a season of, in many cases, persecution, trial, difficulty, what they needed more than anything else was to see God on his throne. To be reminded that God is still in charge. That's really my primary goal for us today. I believe that more than anything else, we just need to be reminded that God is on his throne. We need to see that God is on his throne more than we need a financial breakthrough. We need to see God on his throne more than we need healing from that illness. We need to see that God is on his throne more than we need to find our future spouse. We need to see that God is on his throne more than we need our anxiety and depression to be removed from us. See, more than anything else, what we need is to see God on his throne. Now, that's not to downplay the significance and importance of those other things. It's simply to say that once we see God on his throne, it shifts our perspective and it helps us to see things in a different light. So coming out of these letters to the churches, he says, look, I I just want you to see the throne room. I want you to see that God is on his throne. And I believe some of us today just need to be reminded of that as well. Whatever you're going through, just be reminded that he is still in charge. Verse 2 describes this throne with one seated on it. The one seated on it is obviously God himself. But John makes no attempt, did you notice this? Makes no attempt to describe what God looks like. I remember that, that a good Jewish person held God in such high regard, they wouldn't even pronounce his name. And so he wasn't about to try to describe what he looked like. All he gives us is some uh, description of, of things that are majestic. Verse 3, he had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So rather than trying to describe you know, his form or specifics of what he looks like, he just talks about these precious jewels. Very, very interesting, by the way, when he talks about jasper and carnelian. If you go back to Exodus 28, verses 17 through 20, it describes the ephod that Aaron the high priest would wear. Uh, and, and these are the first and the last of the two precious stones in the, the ephod of the high priest. And so that, that's what we get to describe uh, who God is. And then Jasper is mentioned again at the end of Revelation in describing New Jerusalem. There's a lot of that seems to be a primary color in the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21 and 22. And then around the throne it says is this uh, image of a rainbow, appearance of an emerald. Again, just speaking to the majesty, speaking to the beauty of God. And also speaking to the fact that heaven is anything but dull and boring, right? If you ever think God is just kind of black and white, grayscale, you know, I mean, this blows that out of the water. This is beauty, and and it's interesting, and it's exciting to see who God is. And then verse 4 talks about how there were 24 thrones encircling the one. So you get this image thrown in the middle, 24 thrones around the one throne, and on those 24 thrones are seated, it says, 24 elders. I think the reason for 24 elders, although it doesn't spell it out specifically, is because they represent the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. And the reason I believe that is because you get a little bit further into the book of Revelation. Revelation 21 says that the 12 tribes of Israel are inscribed on the gates of the New Jerusalem. 
and the 12 apostles are the foundation of that city. And so that's probably where the 24 comes from. They represent each of those. But what is really clear is that their purpose, why they were there, was to worship the Lord. That's their job. They circle around the throne of God and they worship. And they take these crowns that they have and it says that they were clothed in, in white, which represents the purity that comes from Christ. And then they had these golden crowns on their heads and whenever uh, they, they would worship, they would lay the crowns before the Lord. Verse 5 says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Y'all do remember what that is, right? Lightning and thunder. It's been a while, but it will come back again. But in the Bible, that, that is representative of the power of God. Again, the kind of the awesomeness, really the, the, the fearful nature that, that God is a God. You, you don't mess around with with God. That's lightning, that's thunder. Uh, back in Exodus chapter 19, when Moses, uh, the, the, the people were, were coming out of the desert, Moses went up on Mount Sinai to meet with God, and God said, I want you to prepare the people, and on the third day, the people are to come before me. Um, but, but he gives very, very strict instructions about not even touching the foot of the mountain. If you do, you'll die. But just, I mean, listen to this description of God's presence on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, starting in verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. You remember that from Revelation 4, the voice of the trumpet. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. So reference to fire here, you notice the next thing that he talks about in Revelation 4 was the torches of fire. So lightning, thunder, power of God, fire, seven torches of fire. It talks about the seven spirits of God, or we said probably a better way to understand the sevenfold spirit of God is talking about the Holy Spirit in all of his fullness. And once again, there's a reference. It's, it's amazing to me how many references there are to the Trinity in the book of Revelation. Because we see Father on the throne, we see the Holy Spirit, and then in chapter 5, we'll get into the Lamb, uh, Christ himself. Uh, but just one more of those, those references. But then before the throne, it says, was a sea of glass like crystal. Uh, again, I, this is an image that is in, stands in stark contrast to the, the thunder and the lightning and the fire, which all of that is a bit chaotic, right? That's a bit fearsome. But if you ever, how many um, water people do, any of you like to get out on the water, maybe get on the boat, you just like to be, yeah. So have you ever been out maybe early in the morning on your boat when it's just, just like glass, right? Just clear. And how does that make you feel when you get out on that water? It's just completely peaceful, right? It's like there's the wind's not blowing, there's not all this up and down kind of stuff. So we've got all this kind of chaos going on here, a thunder and lightning and fire, and yet in front of the throne is this sea of glass, and I think that speaks to the fact that God is awesome and God is worthy of, of our reverence and powerful and all of those things. But at the same time, he brings peace, this sea of glass that's in front of it. And then we move on from the, the sea of glass and he begins to describe four living creatures. Now, one of the ground rules we gave early on was that we would not go weird. 
But I did not say the text itself won't go weird. Because God can do what he wants. This is inspired by him, right? And these creatures are a bit odd to, to our you know, minds. And just try to imagine what it was like um, to, to see these. And one of the things in particular that stands out is it talks about how they have eyes all over them. And when I was a little kid, I was convinced that my mom literally had eyes in the back of her head. I don't know how she always saw and knew what was going on, right? So like, yes, you, you can relate to that. Well, these creatures actually do have eyes in the back of their head and all over their bodies, there, which represents their wisdom and their ability to see everything. If I thought nothing slipped past my mom, there's certainly going to be nothing slipped past these creatures. But all of this comes, uh, this, this imagery comes from Ezekiel chapter 1, which if you're following along our Bible reading program, if anybody has gotten into today's yet, it was Ezekiel chapter 1, which I had no idea at the time. That's where we would be. I thought that was pretty cool. But Ezekiel 1, he has given this image of heaven. And again, the similarities there. Let me read verse 10. Ezekiel 1.10 says, Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side each had the face of a lion, and on the left the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Those same creatures. You notice that? The, the human being, the, the, the lion, the ox, and the eagle. Now, Revelation describes four different living creatures, not that they had one with four faces, but, but similar there. And again, we might look at that and say, what do those represent what does that mean here's what I, I think it means is that it's representing all of creation there is a wild animal the lion there is a tamed animal the ox there is a human being and then there's the animal of the sky the bird of the sky that the eagle it's like God is in charge of everything he's over everything and it says that when the living creatures would give glory and honor and thanks to God the 24 elders would fall down before the throne and lay their crowns before the throne of God. This was their expression of worship. You see, there's something significant about having something of value to offer to God as an expression of worship. And that's the point of the crowns. The point of the crowns, by the way, and the Bible does talk about crowns that we will receive and rewards that we will receive in heaven. It's not so that we can strut around and compare, is my crown better than your crown? That's not the point. The point is to have something of value that can then be offered to God as an expression of worship. This Thursday is a special day in our family. This Thursday, my mom and dad will celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary, which is really cool, right? Yeah. See that? Mom and dad, well, no, we're not, we're not live streaming yet. We'll, we'll get that one later because they'll watch and be all proud that everybody clap for them. Um, but yeah, 60 years, which is really cool. But um, we, we wanted to celebrate as a family, but um, I have two daughters, my brother and his wife have a son and a daughter. Three of the four are in college right now, two of them out of state. And then my oldest is working as an ER nurse, and so her hours can be kind of crazy sometimes. So we knew that getting everybody together to celebrate, we'd have to do it early when kids were home for the summer. So we've already done that. We did that actually back in July while everybody was here and um, had a special time together. But as we were preparing for that, I wanted to to come up with some type of a gift that would be meaningful for my parents on their 60th anniversary. I don't know if anybody wrestles with this like I do, whether it's parents, kids, whoever it may be, that's somebody that, that you love deeply in your life, and you never feel great about a gift you give them because what you get when somebody already has what they want. You know what I mean? And, it's, and I wrestled with that. I was like, what? I, I, I don't know what to do here. And, 
And uh, Sean found something, and we kind of came up with this idea. She found a box, and we came with the idea of filling it with different things. In fact, I've got a picture of it here. Uh, outside, a little memory box. Inside, and Sean put all those words on there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and we just filled it with a bunch of different stuff. And each of the things inside, some notes and letters, and some just that represented different memories that we had as a family. And one of them in particular, I'll show you this next picture here. Um, let's go ahead and put up the little Crocs. Those are little baby Crocs. I don't know if you can tell. That's like a placemat. Little, little baby Crocs. And that, was, that represents the first family trip. We did several family trips together when the kids were younger. My brother's family, our family, mom and dad. And we went to San Diego, and, uh, or maybe that was Florida. It doesn't matter. Wherever it was, the kids all had Crocs that year, and they would line them up by the back doors. They would go out to the pool. And so that's this, we have this picture somewhere of all the Crocs lined up. And so they immediately knew when they saw the Crocs what that represented. And so there were just different things like that, different little symbols, uh, you know, nothing expensive in it, just things that meant something of value. And can I tell you that leading up to our anniversary dinner, I was so excited. For one of the first times ever, I felt really good about the gift that I was going to give them because I knew that it would have value to them. I knew that it would be meaningful to them. You see, when we can give a gift as an expression to someone of our, our love for them, we feel good about that, right? That's what the purpose of the crowns was. It was to say, this is of value to me, but the, the value lies in the fact that I'm able to offer it before you. And I would just encourage you with that and, and, and maybe even take some time this week to think through what is it that is of high value in your life that you can give to God as an expression of your love for Him, as an expression of worship? That's the point of all this. And so they would give glory and honor, and they would, they would bow down before God. All right, now let's, let's get into chapter 5, because this then moves from we've got the Father, God, on the throne, and now we're introduced to the Lamb. Chapter 5, then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests. To our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the, fo- and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, 
to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now guys, we're going to get into those seven seals starting next week. But for today, the, the point is that, that there's this tension being created, right? There are these scrolls that the seals need to be broken. No one is found who is worthy to break them open. And there's this incredible tension in heaven. And it seems that John is the only one who isn't in on the answer and doesn't realize that there is one worthy, which is interesting because he knows Jesus, right? And he believes in Jesus. But he seems to have gotten so caught up in the moment that he just is overcome with emotion. It says that he began to weep loudly. I mean, this isn't just a, a little... You know, eyes kind of, kind of start to glaze over and maybe a little tear trickles down. This is like an ugly cry, right? Let it out. Just nobody can open these scrolls and he's so upset. But then one of the elders from around the throne says, John, there is one who is worthy to open the, thro- the, 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 the scrolls, break the seal and open the scrolls. And it's interesting the way he describes him in verse 6. One of the elders, it says... Or actually, verse 5, the elder told him, weep no more. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So he describes him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. But verse 6, between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God uh, sent out into the earth. We have this lion This picture of the Messiah who is conqueror, and that is how he's coming back as the mighty conqueror. That day is coming, and we'll get to that in the chapters ahead. But he also sees him, it says, as a lamb. And in this interesting language, standing as though it had been slain. How can it be standing if it's been slain? Well, Jesus obviously came back from the dead. He is living today. But he is still this lamb of God who was sacrificed on our behalf. Simultaneously, the lion representing the power and majesty of God and the lamb representing the fact that he is our once and for all sacrifice. I love the way it's described in Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. It says, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You know, blood sacrifices that were commanded in the Old Testament brought temporary forgiveness, but they had to be repeated over and over and over again. Jesus became this once-for-all sacrifice, this lamb that, that was to become the atonement for our sins. And it says that Jesus entered the most holy place by shedding his own blood, and that's what makes him worthy of our full worship. It goes on and describes 
You see that number seven again, right? All the sevens there, the seven horns, the seven eyes. Again, seven being fullness, completeness. Horns, especially in the Old Testament imagery in the books like Daniel, for example, where uh, it gives all these prophetic images of things that are to come. Uh, Horns represent power and specifically political power. We'll get in the chapters ahead into the beast that that has ten horns and for a period of time is very powerful. We'll, We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But Jesus with his seven horns is even more powerful and will eventually conquer the beast entirely. But what we see here is, again, Jesus taking the scroll. We see the elders bowing down to worship. We see that they're, they're, they're playing instruments. They have a harp that they're playing. But it also says that they had these golden bowls of incense, which it says, which are, are the prayers of the saints. And, man, I love that reminder. That's an encouraging reminder to me. Because if ever you feel like, are my prayers, like, getting anywhere, you know? Or, are, my, are my prayers really making any kind of impact and And it says that that's what was offered directly to God. That was part of the direct worship was the prayers of the saints, of God's people. These churches that were in very dire circumstances and having such a difficult time. That all of that is offered to God. And I would encourage you and just remind you that when you pray, that we are able to communicate directly with God. But the reason that Jesus is worthy is because... It says that, that he, in verse 9, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. Why? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Man, what a great place to end, and that's where we will end today, with that reminder of why Jesus is worthy of our worship. Why this lamb who was slain is, is the central figure in the throne room here where everyone is is just worshiping him because of what he has done. And it says that with his blood he ransomed people for God. A ransom meaning that a price had to be paid in order for us to be purchased for God. The Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus, his blood was slain for us so that he could ransom us. So that he could purchase us from God, for God. But then it says, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Here's what that says. God wants everyone to be part of his family. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. God's desire is for people to be part of his family. There's not been a time where you've come to a point of responding in faith to the invitation that God gives you to be a part of his family. I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to encourage you, if you have further questions about what does that look like for me to trust in Christ, come talk to us. We would love to share with you more about what that looks like. I know for many of you, you've made that decision already. You know Christ personally. He is your Savior. He is the the Lamb of God to you whose blood was shed for you. And you are part of that every nation and language and tribe. That, That includes you. And so the response to that when we know that we have been purchased by the blood of Christ is one of worship. And that's how we're going to to conclude our service today. We're just carved out a little time here on the back end. After I pray in a moment, our, our worship team's going to come and prepare to lead us. 
through a song that basically is just a description of what we just read. It's just the lyrics of, of Revelation 4, uh, of the Lamb on His throne. And I want this to be a time where we say to God, I'm giving everything I have to you because of what you have given for us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are, are the, the lamb that was slain, that you shed your blood for every one of us in this room. Lord, you shed your blood for everyone in this community, every person in this country, and every person around the world. Lord, your desire is for us to be drawn into relationship with you. I pray that our response is one of gratitude and faith, first of all, but also sharing that with people around us and then just giving you the best that we have to give in worship because you are worthy of that, Lord. You deserve it. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, I pray, even just during these next few moments, that there is a true spirit of worship, that our hearts are just fully captivated by you and Lord that that we give every bit of our minds attention our hearts affection to you as we worship you in Jesus name we pray amen